This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we're just having another quick loan update. This one's particularly important for house hackers in the Austin area. And really, if you're house hacking in any area, this is important for you. So watch this. Again, if you have any questions, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. We will find out the answers for you. Um, today, I've got Tim Swerzek here. He's a lender, licensed in multiple states, Texas, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Where, where else, Tim? Sorry, I forget. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Texas, and, and Tennessee. Tennessee. So if you have questions about loans in any of those areas, absolutely reach out to Tim. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Bigger Pockets. If you just Google Tim Swierzek, you're going to find him pretty much anywhere. And he'll give out his phone number and email at the end of this. So real quick, Tim. So, you know, you reached out to me last week and said, hey, uh, the conventional 5% down duplex loan came back. That that went away last year, right? That went up to 15%? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's been some changes with COVID. A lot of the uh, loan guidelines and lending, uh, you know, gods, if you will, started making things harder again, right? And one of the things they did is uh, Freddie Mac kind of assumed uh, incorrectly that that loan was going to be a problem for them and it was going to start causing all these defaults and all these things. Well, none of that came true at all. Uh, so uh, after they figured out that they had made a blunder, they've brought it back. And it's not effective until uh, February. I'm sorry, scratch that, uh, November. Okay. Uh so, but but it is coming back, and we can start talking to people about it and start getting them ready. Um, something I, I mentioned to you when we're off camera, but uh, they're not quite ready yet. Uh, Freddie Mac, I just tried to pre-approve someone for it yesterday, and the program is not um, currently not something that they currently are uh, running through their automated system, and I can't get any lender to price it yet. So it's still early on probably be a couple of weeks before I can even give someone a, a rate quote or anything like that on one, but we can start getting the ball rolling. Absolutely. So if it comes back in November, does that mean that you can approve somebody mid October and they can close in November? Does that mean to, to get approved, to use it, you have to wait until November. I, I wish I could, I wish I could confidently answer that for you, but I don't know the answer for it. So, I might be nope. able to find it real quick while we're on this podcast uh, because the announcement did mention something, but I don't remember if it said, you know, sometimes they go by application date. Sometimes they go by what they call note date for you and I, that means the the date it got signed. Right. So the closing date where the note was signed. Um, and I don't know if they specified that or not yet. Okay. So uh, to, to be determined, but at least by November. So if you're starting to look, at house hacking, you're looking into the process, you're starting to get going, you're talking to, to a lender like you or a realtor like me, you can at least put this into your toolbox, provided that you qualify for it. So 
And tell us a little bit about this loan and why this is important. What types of properties can you buy with this loan? 5% yes. down. Yeah. So what makes this interesting for a house hacker or you know a house hacker specifically is that traditionally, if you get a conventional loan, so if you get outside of FHA, you have only high down payment options. Your first uh, for multifamily, right? So if you're buying a, a one unit property, um, no matter whether it's conventional or FHA or VA, you've got quite a few loan down payment options and they, there's very few restrictions on those. But as soon as you get that second unit, a, a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, those options get much different. Uh, and with this program, they, they don't change a lot. Um, and so what you can do is you can buy a two unit, a three unit or a four unit and put as little as 5% down. And, uh, and traditionally, if, the, if this program didn't exist, it would go 15% down for a two unit. It would go 25% down for a, for a three unit and 25% down for a four unit. And that's even if you're living in it. Wow. So that's a big difference. So essentially, last couple months, if you wanted to buy a fourplex to live in and you wanted to use an owner-occupied loan, so if you're looking, oh no, sorry, conventional loan, you're just going to live in it. You're going to have to put 25% down. Now that's dropped to 5%. And I know I, I worked with a few people last year that, that wanted to use a conventional loan for whatever reason, and they had to put 15% down. So that's a, a lot right. of money. Let's say it's a even a $400,000 duplex. That's $40,000 compared to $20,000, $40,000 difference. So a $60,000 down payment compared to a $20,000 down payment. A lot of people just don't have that difference. And that's a big deal. Yep. So what does I this would even mean? Tell you, I would even tell you, if, even if you have the difference, you should still use the lower down payment so that you save that chunk for the next one, right? That mm -hmm. uh, that 10%, if your next one has to be 15% down, you can put 5% down on this one and you already have two thirds of your next down payment saved before you moved into the to property number one, right? So no matter what, it's a good deal. It's a good idea. If you are if you wanna grow a portfolio, you have to limit your, uh, limit your cash that you put into the deals, right? And you have to find the right deals so that that's possible and this deal still works. Sure, yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I just feel really passionate about that. And I, I hate it when people start thinking, well, yeah, but I have more, so I'm going to put more down. And if you don't, uh, what most people don't get on that is these interest rates are so low. And so is the mortgage insurance. It's so cheap that it costs less than $5 for every $1,000 you finance. So, uh, I mean, $5 a month, right? So what that means is let's just say you have an extra 20,000 to put down, or, or I'm sorry, you said 40,000, right? Mm -hmm. So you can either have $40,000 down, your payment would be $200 more per month. Now I realize 200 is a lot of money, but if you, if you think about it, $200 a month, if your tenant stops paying, that's not going to help stop you from getting foreclosed. But if you have $40,000 in the bank, it sure will, right? It'll pay your, your payment for probably a couple of years, maybe, maybe two years, probably not a full two years with zero income from tenants and uh, zero income from your job. So it's a big deal and it's a safe, it's not only safer to put less down, it's important for your next purchase. And even though you're like, yeah, but I'll be making 200 less, guess what? You take that 40,000 and you invest it into another property, you're gonna make way more than $200 a month. And I mean, I'm talking tax deduction, appreciation, depreciation, and cash flow. On all of those factors, you'll make more than 200 on each one of them. 
So you'll make more than 800 a month. I, I'm sure of it. Unless you buy a bad deal from a realtor that's not named Jordan Moorhead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this, this is a big deal for house hackers. Cause like you said, most house hackers, and this is not all, but most people who get into house hacking, get into house hacking because they want to build a rental portfolio. So they don't want to just buy yeah. one property and live in it and get their rent reduced, which is not a bad idea. If that's what you want to do, sure. that's an amazing plan. It's going to save you so much money. It's going to get you so much further in life. This is not just for people who want to be rental property investors. I think right. it gets portrayed in that light so many times, but it's a great idea for anybody. But most people, you and I know this well, most people get into this and they want to do it over and over and over. So mm -hmm. if you can get into more properties for less down payment, that's awesome. So talk about a few ways people could use this, this loan to help them get into more properties. I know some examples, yeah. but I'll, I'll let you talk about it. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Sure. So I, I've, I mean, the, the biggest thought I have is a lot of people know about the FHA loan and it gets bashed. It gets a bad name because it has mortgage insurance and all this other stuff. And uh, the fact of the matter is it's, it's made people a fortune, right? It's not a crime to have something cost a little more if it's a superior product. And it, frankly, it's superior for most investors to use an FHA loan. They just don't realize it because they focus on one factor. But the cool thing is superior or not, you now have two options, right? So instead of buying one property with a low down payment, you can buy two properties. And in theory, I don't want to get into all the details, but in theory, you could technically buy three because this loan does allow you to own two uh, house hacks with it. Um, you can use this loan twice, um, but only if you own no more than two homes at the closing of the second home, meaning you can't go FHA and then 5% conventional, 5% conventional, but you could start out 5% conventional, 5% conventional, and then go to FHA if you qualify. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I know for, for myself, I had a property under an FHA loan. I used a 5% conventional to buy a two-unit property and then sold the first FHA, bought another one FHA. Um, I've been able to refinance that third one into a conventional loan. Now I'm about to buy another one FHA. Um, I personally have not been able to qualify for this 5% down duplex loan we're talking about yeah. um, because the income yeah. restrictions, and we'll talk about those in a minute, but I know Jessica, my girlfriend bought her first duplex with a 5% down duplex loan. And now she's able to use the FHA loan again. So it just gives you, yeah. so this loan gives you so many more options provided you can qualify for it. And I think yeah. that's probably the next thing we should talk about because I know you know just as well as I do, not everybody's going to qualify for this. And there's some big yeah. reasons why. Yeah, it's finicky. It's a finicky loan. And by that, what I mean is they all these uh, loan systems have what's called an automated underwriting system. Freddie Mac calls theirs Loan Prospector. And Loan Prospector is very 
picky on this loan. They don't give us great feedback of why someone's getting declined. Uh, you know, I, I've done, I've done, uh, well, I think we did 40 of these in one year together, right? So I've done um, 160, 200 of these Freddie Mac loans. So I know them really well. And one thing I can tell you is this, it requires more than just a good credit score. It requires what we call either deep or broad credit and probably both. So deep credit would mean that you have had a credit, uh, you've had a uh, um, a credit line for more than a couple of years, right? So it's not, if you open a credit card and you have it for six months, it's not deep, right? It's not deep until you've owned it for at least 24 months, if not longer, right? So that's one thing. We also need more than one. And that's the width part, right? So you need probably uh, two, three, or even possibly four uh, credit lines if they're not very deep. If they're deeper, two probably works, but three is definitely better. But some combination of several accounts and open for a while in order to qualify with a great score. The minimum score in the program is 700, but I've seen people with 740 scores get declined because they their 740 score was built on one credit card they got in college they had for a year and a half or even two years. And one card for two years is just not enough to qualify in this program. Uh, I'm not saying don't apply, but you just see them get declined over and over again. The one other thing is there's income limits. And in Austin, that income limit's a couple dollars over 79,000. For the sake of this podcast, let's just say it's basically 79,000. And uh, for those in Minnesota and the Twin Cities metro area, it's a hair over 83,000, okay? If you make more than those numbers, then you don't qualify, okay? Mm -hmm. Here's the good news though. And this is where it's important to kind of deal with someone who knows this program. They go off of what's called the, um, the qualifying income. And qualifying income is different than your actual income. And what I mean by that is this, Jordan, let's say you made exactly 83,000 in salary, but you get a $20,000 bonus per year. If I don't need the $20,000 bonus to qualify you, I can ignore that bonus and you fall under the cap. Okay. Sure. But if you don't qualify without the bonus, then I can't ignore it. Seems true with rental income. So let's say you're buying a duplex and I'm a lot, or even a fourplex for that matter, and you make $83,000 on your salary and you're in Minnesota, I can get you a loan still provided you don't need the income from the property to qualify for that mortgage. If you do need the income, I can't pick and choose and say, oh, well, we only need $3,000 of the income and you still qualify. No, it doesn't work that way. If I use any of that income and it pushes you over the limit, then you don't qualify. Okay. Yeah. So, and for Austin, the, the numbers would be the same. It's just, you'd have to stay under that 79,000 figure um, on that one. Yeah. And that's so interesting because the area median income here in Austin's around $97,000. So that's essentially saying, sure. Hey, you need to be X amount below the area yeah. median income and that's yeah. per household, but you need to be X amount below to qualify for this loan. Um, yeah. And they're, they're always adjusting these income limits, correct? Yeah, matter of fact, it usually comes out in August. It, they didn't they didn't increase them yet this year, but usually I looked at a thing. It's traditionally August of every year, so I kind of half expect them to increase it. And if they do, we can do another emergency podcast. Sure. Um, so real quick, we talked about the pros and cons, or sorry, just a little bit of pros and cons versus FHA and conventional. I want to talk about those a little more. I've used yeah. a bunch of FHA loans myself. I help a lot of clients use FHA loans myself. I love them. Um, if I had a choice as a realtor, I would rather use conventional loans for a couple of sure. reasons. They close quicker. 
They're a little easier getting through the inspection process and people just feel better about them. But can you tell us why that is? Well, I think the big thing, the reason why people feel better about it, well, number one, so FHA is definitely easier to qualify for. So that mistakenly makes people think that everyone who uses an FHA loan has worse credit or something like that. Not true at all. I've gotten physicians because there's these income limits. I had a guy who made $180,000 a year and had perfect credit who bought a duplex using uh, an FHA loan, right? That's actually pretty common. My most qualified clients, believe it or not, use FHA, not conventional. But mistakenly, people in their heads uh, know that it's easier to get FHA. So they think that means it's worse. Right. But that's not true. Um, the and other thing, just to clarify for people, I think um, I'm not going to speak for Tim, but we're mostly talking about multi unit properties here. So duplex to fourplex. Yes. Um, if you're talking single family, I would probably push somebody in the conventional route. 100%. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. I'm thinking you're buying at least two units. Yeah, or three exactly. or four, right? Uh, yeah. And everything I'm saying right now, I'm talking about that. Um, so, uh, so that, um, so, okay. So going back then, um, uh, the other thing that, that people really uh, think poorly about FHA is because they're in, their appraisal has a, is more um, picky than a conventional appraisal. And mm-hmm. due to that, they think that like, it's a lot harder to get it to go through and, and, and it can cause some issues sometimes, but you know, I've been doing this for almost 20 years and I'm telling you, they're all solvable problems. Mm-hmm. Every time, if the seller wants to sell and the buyer wants to buy, you can use an FHA, even, you know, anytime, right? Like there, you know, yeah. so it just doesn't create many, many issues. But for me, you know, I'm so used to doing FHAs. I mean, we do, again, we're, you know, we're going to do a, at least 180, if not 200 loans this year. And, and a lot of them will be FHAs. They're not any slower for me to do at all. I mean, I can do them at the same speed. Uh, but Having said that, I agree with you, sellers like conventional more, and conventional has one really big advantage over FHA if you have a three or a four unit, and this is super important. If you have a three or four unit, I always push people towards conventional if if there's a a good conventional option, because FHA has a test that the property, when you move out of it, must support itself. So what they do is they take all the rents, let's say it's a four unit, they'll take rents on all three units that are going to be rented. And then they'll use the appraiser's opinion of whatever the rent would be on the unit that you're going to be living in. Mm-hmm. They take, they add those up, they multiply it by 0.75. And that three, you know, that 0.75 of the rent must be greater than the mortgage payment, or you can't use FHA financing in the property, even if the client qualifies. 0.75 seems like an interesting picture because if you're talking about debt service coverage ratio, you're looking at 1.25, right? Where did they right. get the 0.75 from, you think? Well, so they're using that as they're basically saying 25% of your gross rent goes to expenses. So it would be everything yep. from you know vacancy to CapEx to maintenance, anything else you can say. They're just assuming that you have at least 25% of your rent is goes to costs. And that's that's the theory behind it. Where they came up with it, I'm not really sure. But you know what? One thing I found is if someone passes that threshold, they've got a good deal. So mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, if you can buy a triplex or a fourplex using FHA financing, um, inherently in the program, uh, you're set up for success. And if it doesn't succeed, it's not because you bought a bad deal. It was bad management. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's that's a big part of that whole self-sufficiency test is they're not they're not putting management in, into that. So 
And, and why I say that is the way I operate a fourplex could be different than the way you operate a fourplex. And, you know, you might keep the rents the same the whole time and I might try to keep jacking them up every year. So when I sure. move out, those rents might be a lot higher than what the appraiser initially thought. And I think that can yeah. be a, a hindrance with that, that type of setup. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you, but I have to, you know, at this point, like I, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I had an alarm because I have a car. Uh, my car's getting fixed today, and I have an appointment. I had that alarm set. Sorry about that. Um, but uh I'm in agreement with you from an investor point of view, but from a banking point of view, FHA doesn't care. <laughs> sure. And so like a lot of times I have to kind of deal with my clients. I'm like, yeah, I'm on your side, but in the end, you don't get the loan unless we do this. So, you know, it's one of the downsides to FHA, but the cool thing is I think people should use both programs. I don't think we should trash one over the other. They mm -hmm. both have advantages and disadvantages. And uh, the coolest thing about, so if in the most ideal world, in, you would buy two conventionals, then one FHA, and you get three low down payment loans. Boom, right? That is that is hard to do, to say the least, because of these income caps. It's really hard to qualify for the second loan, only having eighty three thousand dollars or seventy nine thousand dollars in income, because you have to use rent from these properties, right? So mm -hmm. eventually, it kicks you over that cap to qualify for the second home. So very unlikely people will do that. If you can't do that, the best strategy really is FHA first and then conventional second. And the reason for that is FHA will not allow you to use the, the rental income from the property you're leaving from property number one to qualify for property number two. And because of that, it makes it very difficult. You have to make six figures to buy your second property using FHA. So for many people, conventional than FHA, uh, I'm sorry, FHA than conventional, you don't necessarily have that problem. If you make under a hundred grand, if you make over a hundred grand, I would go, well, you're not going to get the conventional anyway. Right. So we got to look at all those things. I would definitely say that my advice for people varies. It's more nuanced than there isn't a set way to do this one. Right. You can't say it's better to go this than that. Um, I can talk real general rules, but in the end, it should be analyzed. Sure. So I think just the moral of the story is you have more options now. Um, yep. Don't beat yourself up if you don't qualify for this option, but absolutely ask about this option. And this can help you buy more properties for a lower down payment and build your rental portfolio faster if that's something you're looking to do. But again, if you're not looking to build a rental portfolio, this could be a great option too. So you just want to buy one duplex and live in it for quite a while, maybe move out and buy a house later, or just keep staying in the duplex. This loan will lose the PMI at 21%, I want to say. 22, and yeah. Well, okay, so but it's not automatic on this loan. Um, like a, a single family home, they'll automatically drop off at mm -hmm. some point. On this one, you must force it up. You don't have to refinance, but... Um, there's no automatic drop-off period on a on a multi-unit for Freddie Mac. Sure. And that's Freddie Mac's rule. It's not lender dependent. Okay. Yeah. So just again, this gives you more options. So another option for a low down payment house hacking loan, which we were kind of pigeonholed a few months ago. We had one great option. We had another really good option, which is the 15% down conventional loan. 
Um, now you have more options. You can do more deals and it can potentially make your life easier. Yep, for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Tim. Um, Again, guys, if you need anything, reach out to me on social media. Look up Jordan Moorhead. You'll find me anywhere. Uh, Tim, what's the best way people can reach you? I'm going to give my phone number first because it's easier. Okay. (laughs) 651-772-9000. You call that number. You can reach me. You can text me at that number. Um, And uh, you can also email me. It's Tim at timswarzek.com. Is that something you can put in the show notes or anything? Yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes too. So guys, all this information will be in the show notes, but reach out to Tim, reach out to me. Any questions you have, we'd love to answer them. Yeah, and you can you can reach out to me even if you're in an area that I don't lend in. I'm happy to help. I think it's a karma thing. So if mm-hmm. you're in Colorado and I don't lend there, guess what? I got a great I, I got a great loan officer for you. Same with California, same with other states. So uh, reach out. I'll help you. I'll connect you with the right people, people who know how to use these programs. Not you know not someone who just kind of needs the business and says they know how to, but someone who actually knows how to do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. All right, guys. Until next time. Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast and reach out to us on social media. Yep. Yep. Thank you.